Welcome everyone to this week's Really Big Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Chizuk, joined as always by my co-host, Acronym. Hi! <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're this is kind of how we're ending our, uh, or at least my big 4th of July weekend. Like I got, I got two days off and then like Wednesday is kind of my day off. So that's when we do the podcast. And so like I haven't really been to work in like a week. Yeah. But that had to feel nice or confusing. It was confusing. Yeah. It was absolutely confusing. I actually picked up- What do I do? Picked up extra days at the comic store just because I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I have no idea. Meanwhile, here's me just like crammed in my computer. Right. The entire time, like nothing has changed. I'm like, it's just another day. I know. Yeah. That's the funny thing too is, you know, it's the 4th of July. So everyone's doing the fireworks thing and like, we don't care. We don't have the money to spend on fireworks and we really don't aren't patriotic in this household. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be patriotic when everybody wants to take my rights away. So right. I'm like, I'm good. Just, I'm set. We just sit in here. I played video games. Yep. As I always do. So all the explosions I had were in Fortnite. <laughs> So yeah, that was what we did with our weekend. We've got all five, uh, or all ten fingers, all ten, th- all all ten toes. Nothing got blown off. What? <laughs> okay. And now headlines. There's the first headline. You're you're missing toes. I can see your hands. I know. You don't know how many feet I have either. Ooh. Now it's just getting weird. <laughs> you are, you've over-caffeinated this morning in, instead of being under-caffeinated when we start. You start off hot. Well, you were like looking at me earlier and going like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm saving it all for the, uh, oh, I gotta. I, I need to, I need to learn <laughs> that you're like, when you're low key, it's because you're going to bust right out as soon as the mics and cameras are on. Speaking of people busting out, what is your first my first headline is about a roller coaster uh, in North Carolina that uh, it's called the Nightmare Giga Coaster uh, was shut down after somebody was recording their their like their daughter on the roller coaster and realized that one of the poles was holding up one of the, the spin arounds like had a huge crack in it and moved every time the car came over to it. And how do they not look at that stuff every time they open the park? Like, how do you not have safety checks? Oh, I'm sure they do. But I'm sure it's also a matter of like, well, how much money would it, we lose by shutting this down? Let's not shut it down until we have to. I mean, I guess, but like if you have like a death, you're going to have a major lawsuit and that's going to cost way more. It's like it's like when I drive my car and I drive it for too long when something's wrong with it and then eventually it just breaks down. And it's like you, it's true. It would have been cheaper if you would have fixed it down the line. But instead, now you have this huge repair to do. Right. And in their case, it would be like. Roller coaster breaks, people die. Malpra- uh, like what? Not malpractice. What is the word for that? Is that considered manslaughter? I don't. Something I like don't that. Know. I don't know. Uh, but you definitely would have a lawsuit. Yeah, no, that would. Uh, it, it's a terrifying video. All I could think I, was Final Destination. Yes, I don't. I don't like roller coasters, anyways. Yep. Um, I don't. I don't. My stomach's already touchy enough. I don't need something jerking me around and making me feel gross yeah there's a the wicked twister in cedar point goes up and curls and down and up and curls work like that and like that's what triggered in my mind when i saw that because i just remember watching that going like i could just snap and fall right in the lake at any given time right 
And I don't know if that just makes me like messed up in the head or what, but I'm just sitting there going like, yeah, no, don't want to be on that. Right. You know, when you could start, I think that's a, that's a, uh, a symptom of getting older too, is that when you look at something and you can start to see the cracks in it, you can start to see like, well, that's dangerous. It's like, yeah, you've got your own mortality in, in, uh, in your head that you didn't have when you were a teenager. Well, and I've never considered it to be a mortality thing necessarily because I haven't had the best uh, self-preservation throughout my life with all my urban exploring. Sure. Which you think like a roller coaster versus climbing a water tower in a desert, like the roller coaster would sound safer. At least, but at least there's a lot of people around with the roller coaster. I mean, yeah, in, in theory, yeah. But um, I remember the first time I ever went on the Millennium Force and uh, Emily goes, don't look to your left. And I'm like, okay, you're saying that. And now I'm going to look immediately. All it is is water. Yeah. All, all around that spot is just water. And I'm like, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. And she's like, we're not going to die. And I'm like, we're going to die. <laughs> we got off of there and I felt like my brain had like jolted and stuck to the top of my of your skull skull <laughs> so uh, ever since then i've not i don't think i've been on a roller coaster since. that's the joy of the roller coaster <laughs> though isn't it is the like getting in a thing and then at some point i might die and then you don't die and you're like yes well yeah it's, i win it's an adrenaline thing i think i just like you know at least in the urban explorer side of things i think i like having the control of choosing at, at what point do I go yeah. <laughs> versus just like being strapped into something and plummeting to my potential death? Sure. So I don't know. Yeah. The the uh, North Carolina Department of Labor has uh, shut it down and they're going to be investigating it. But it's uh, like I said, it's an absolutely terrifying video to yeah. watch the roller coaster come around that thing in the power. Just go. Well, less ter- terrifying video, but. Uh, still has a hint of death nonetheless. Adele threatened to kill everyone at a concert the other day. No. <laughs> she did, but it was in jest. Well, right, exactly. So there's been, if, if you've been looking at any music media lately, you've been seeing that people keep throwing things on stage or handing things to the performers. Have you seen this? I've seen people handing things stuff. People have been throwing stuff on stage since I was going to concerts teenage. It's gotten worse since the cell phone thing happened because there's been a couple people that have thrown their literal cell phone thinking that they're going to get a TikTok video. I don't remember who you showed me that's threw their cell phone on there. Like, yeah, that's, that's gone. Yeah. I, it, Never getting that back. How much are cell phones? I no, it's not. It, Haley Williams wasn't the first person that did it, but somebody did throw a phone and she took like video and then tossed it back into the crowd or whatever. I know that there's been rappers that have done it. I know that there was one rapper, I forget who it was, but he picked the phone and literally threw it as hard as he could back into the crowd without doing anything. Yes. Once again, you're, never, like, see you're never seeing that phone again, right? So then it started to get worse. Somebody threw something at BB Rexa and gave her a black eye. Okay. Mid-performance. Somebody threw something at Kelsey Ballerini who's a country singer. So it's like, it's going across genre at this point, right? right? Um, Hit her in the face. Uh, I think there was somebody else that got hit in the face as well. Somebody handed Pink her mother's ashes. What? Yes. And then the following concert or the concert a couple days later, they handed her a giant wheel of brie. Things are just getting weird. I saw the wheel of brie. That's kind of funny. So she was just going like, what is happening? Yeah. So enter Adele. She's doing her concert. At one point, she walks out with a giant T-shirt gun, and she goes, you've been hearing all how everybody's been throwing things at, at different performers? Whatever happened to concert etiquette? I swear if one of you try me, I will fucking kill all of you. 
And then straight up, like, has this gun in her hand and then shoots a t-shirt into the crowd. Well, it's a t-shirt gun. Yes, so. but it was still very funny because she was just like, you know, she's got her little cute British accent too. She's yes. Like, okay, kill all of you. <laughs> and then she's just laughing her ass off afterwards. So that is uh, violent but funny. I know I told you this story before, but I was at Nirvana's last concert here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. It was at the Michigan State Fairgrounds. Yep. Um... We didn't get an encore because people were throwing shirts and shoes and whatnot on stage the whole time. And somebody threw a shoe and it hit the mic stand and knocked the mic into Kurt's teeth during Setless Apprentice. And he. Oh, of course. Yeah. He he dropped. Done. Yeah. He just threw his guitar on the ground and walked off and the band finished Setless Apprentice. It was like during the second verse. Oh, wow. The band finished playing Setless Apprentice. uh, Dave and Pat and uh, Chris and then walked off to find out what was going on. And then the lights came up and we didn't get an encore. Well, yeah, that's what you deserve. I, I feel I like, agree. honestly, I feel like if you get hit in the face as an artist, you have your, your full rights to walk off. Yeah. I get that, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be like, well, I didn't get my full show. And it's like, well, behave. Right. And hold your hold your concert goers accountable. It's like when people fall, you're supposed to help them get back up. Right. Not trample them. Right. So, like, I don't know what it is since because I think I even said um, after the pandemic, when I first started going back to shows, I'm like, where did the concert etiquette go? Because people were just acting a fool. Right. And like, I can't tell you, like, like twice during my show, Paramore had to stop for one reason or another. Either people were getting hurt or they were passing out. I don't know which. But there have been multiple times where she's had to stop the show and she gets puts on her mom voice. Yeah. Even though she's not a mom. And she, right. Um, excuse me. What is going on here? Are we done? Right. Do do we need to start this song over? What is happening here? And, you, and she's ejected people before. You talked last week about that Queens of the Stone Age video with Josh. I think he might he might be the best at like controlling a crowd like that. Well, I think it's one of those things where it's like if you have this rocker that is like he's all about danger. But he's putting it in the sense of like, no, I run this shit. Right. I am in control. You don't go until I fucking say go. Dave Grohl. People are going to laugh about it and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Josh is cool. I'm going to do it. But like, try and have a female do that. Oh, she's yeah. such a bitch. Right. You know. I say, Dave Grohl seems really good at keeping control of a crowd, too. I remember. <laughs> I remember going, hey, 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 hey. You don't fight at my shows. Right. You don't exactly. fight at my shows. You, you get the fuck out of here if you want to fight at my shows. Right. And they're like. Being scolded by Dave Grohl or Haley Williams would just kill me inside. Yeah, a little bit. Like, I would just feel mortified. I don't know why anybody would even bother trying at that point. (laughs) No, you should just, you know, never go out again. (laughs) Well, the next bit of news I've got for you is about a movie that uh, Disney put on Disney Plus seven weeks ago that they have taken off the servers already. Uh, The movie was called Crater. It starred Grace McKenna, who I loved in Ghostbusters. McKenna Grace. Or McKenna Grace and and Kid Cootie. Mm Mm-hmm. Cutting. And uh, <laughs> I'm helping you. Do you want to read this? Yes. <laughs> I'm helping you. <laughs> but yeah, I guess the practice has been that uh, if if you delete things off the server, you don't have to claim it on your taxes, which is why some of this stuff like Willow uh, is is gone from the server. And, oh, my God. That makes it so much more annoying. But honestly, like I can kind of see like this was always going to be a problem with the streaming service. Yeah. Like they're they're this gonna is why you have hard copy games that yeah this they're they're gonna hit a capacity on the server and then have to make the decision of like do we spend more money for another server or do we save money by taking stuff that has the lowest rate of watching off the server to make room they're, the, they're like multi billion dollar companies you can afford to get another server yeah 
I'm going to turn into that lady from that one TV show that I don't watch and go, what could it cost? $600? <laughs> but like, seriously, like you you are a multi-billion dollar company. Figure it out. Meanwhile, you have somebody like Netflix pulling Titanic back onto Netflix at the same time. Yeah. So like, figure your shit out, streaming services. No, I'm not saying it's good practice, but I feel it's the kind of practice that I remember when Steam started uh, for the PC. I remember thinking like, yeah, but if I buy my games on Steam and Steam goes away, then I just don't have them. Yep. Kind of thing. And and like now it seems foolish. Like Steam is never going away. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, like, even if it does, they'll they'll, you know, phase out games, but it's kinda like when you guys have like what was it the Xbox three sixty servers or something when they finally decided to shut those down? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where like if you wanted to play online and they had to have servers up for that, then they yep. shut those down. Yep, stuff like that. But it I can understand both sides of like, like I get wanting to have hard copies, but at the same time, it's like it's turned into this thing of like, well, what is worth having a hard copy? Well, and it's same thing with music, with streaming services and vinyls. Like, yeah. You know, we you've downsized your CD collection. For sure. And like. But there's half stuff of- in there that is just not on streaming. Exactly. And that's where it's like you keep those and then you keep the ones that you really love. Like you've got like you know these smashing pumpkins b-sides and stuff like that that you hold on to but when it comes down to like i feel like you know if it if it's so niche for music you don't have those things on streaming services and those are the things that you got like dollar bin at record time yeah but then you have like you have that with movies as well but it's not to the same degree because I don't feel like every movie is on streaming services. With music, it's like almost everything is on a streaming exactly. service with the exception of some like random local stuff. That's why you've seen me pick up like DVDs of stuff that never even made it to Blu-ray. Exactly. And that's the problem now is that you get a movie like this that was on Disney Plus. There's not a hard copy. Yeah, you don't have a hard copy that. You just can't see it unless you go to pirate service it servers it's the thing it's that like if you're going to pull it off the server then you need to have a mandate in place that if you're pulling it out of a server you need to issue a certain amount of physical copies right that that is where i feel and it's like it's gotten to a, a slight nervousness with me too because we don't actually like not to call us out but we don't pay for our netflix we share with one of our friends and that's sure the way yep I am seriously considering getting all of Stranger Things on hard copy. Just so you can watch it whenever you want. Yeah, because it's like, I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not going to have access to Netflix for a bit of time or whatever, because honestly, I just can't afford to throw another subscription on top of everything else. Right. But like, I'm looking at it from the perspective of like, that's the only thing I've watched for the last six months on Netflix that I've actively chosen to watch. Uh-huh. You have put things on that I have sat and watched, which is different. Right. But like, what do I watch when I watch Netflix? stranger things (laughs) so it's like for me i would like to have that even though i can't just pull it up on my ipad or something like that just so in the event that they decide okay well we don't care anymore i was gonna have it i was gonna say i'm imagining you like with a dvd player on your desk and a small television just so you can watch well i certainly can't get a ps5 and do it Because I can't listen to music on it either. It's so funny to me. You sent me that text yesterday. It was like, you can't play CDs on a PS5. I'm like, I got news for you. You can't play CDs on a PS4. It seems like such a no-brainer. It absolutely does. That's a CD drive. Make it so it can listen to CDs. I had no clue that the PS4 couldn't do it. I know the PS2 can. 
the PS3 was the last PlayStation system that could do it. And the PlayStation 3, you could rip stuff off the CDs and keep in the hard drive. Yeah. Because one of the wrestling games I had, you could use one of those tracks for your entrance theme. See, that's Which was awesome. super cool. But, you know, the more that technology gets advanced, the more it takes away. Yeah. I'm starting to see that more and more with certain things. And I'm just like, mm, don't like technology the way I used to. I used to love all of this. It's- now it's become a nuisance it's funny that it's now becoming a problem to you being an iphone user like they're notorious for taking things away like your headphone jack oh i hate that trust me (laughs) but like if i have bluetooth headphones i don't care it's the minute that i want to actually use analog headphones like those uh ones that i used to have that were the um diva headphones yeah for the only wired headphones i had but this laptop has a headphone hole interesting it's so bizarre. I just, I don't get it anymore. But yeah, there are a lot of things in technology that are annoying to me, and Disney Plus is really getting on my shit list. So, welcome to being old. We'll go full circle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. You have anything else? I have one more. Uh, it was about my, my band Wet Leg. Yeah. Let me pull this up real quick because I don't want to get the quote wrong because it's so silly. So the ex-boyfriend of Rian Teasdale, which is the lead singer of Wet Leg, okay. um, talk, er, her ex-boyfriend talked to the Times in the UK to complain that he should be compensated for his contributions, claiming to help write two of their hit songs, as well as help with the band name. It's a lot of he said, she said, like, well, this is how they say it happened, but this is how I say it happened, situations or whatever. Right. In true ex fashion, he also laid claim to the fact that the song What Dream is about him. And the song is a breakup song. The song is literally like, Oh, you think you're good enough to whack off to me? Weird flex. <laughs> well, if you point out the song is about you, but go off. I He's guess. willing to take the hit if it means a paycheck. Apparently. And he gripes that he can't go anywhere without hearing about his successful former partner. So the nail in the coffin that really seals the tone of this whole article. He's talking about the album that's like the self-titled Wet Leg. He said, why does it have to be the number one album? Could it not just be number four or something? <laughs> How dare people like this album? You said this in print, sir. <laughs> I, I didn't even like when I wrote this down because I posted uh, my pictures of Wet Leg this morning and wrote this down. I didn't even bother to say his name because I'm just like right. so perturbed by the whole thing. I'm just like. I get the point of wanting to be paid for your contributions. That I completely understand. But like going, well, that song's about me. And it's she's literally talking about how you're not good enough to jerk off to her. She's talking about how much you suck. I, I can't compute that. Okay. So there's my news. <laughs> That's Dave Coulier in a much better light. You know. He didn't we didn't try and get Alanis Morissette to give him a paycheck. Yeah. It's definitely true. I, I, he doesn't. He didn't even have like full confirmation that it's him. He's like, well, she did show up to one of my dinners one night. <laughs> right. that, like that was basically it. Like he was just like, I think it's about me, but I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it out. Well, uh, the last one I've got for you. Magic the Gathering just put out a set that is based on Lord of the Rings, which is kind of cool. I think it's. What a, I mean, it's not the very first time that they've licensed something and put it in Magic the Gathering, uh, but it's the first time they've done like a full set of cards that you buy booster packs of that is set in Lord of the Rings. But part of that set is uh, there is one version, there is one printing of the One Ring 
<laughs> in all of the all of the cards that have been printed. There's not like oh, so it's not like one per pack. It's no, one it's not like you can get the one ring and then I can get the one ring and we can play them again. No, there is one in the whole world, and somebody pulled it over the weekend. Oh, that person's going to put it on eBay for a million dollars. Well, it's uh, he he pulled it and immediately sent it to have it graded. It came back at a nine, mm-hmm. which I mean, why isn't it a ten? There's there's only like it's never been played. It's yeah. I just opened it, but that's it's the same thing with comics. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the thing is worth billions and billions of dollars, and and uh, the person who pulled it does not want to be identified. But it has been certified. It has been put online. You like the picture of like, yes, I have it it's here, right here. I would be selling that bitch immediately. I don't care how exciting I, that is about a game. Yeah. Being that person and be like, give me the money. Who wants it? Highest bidder. Elon Musk, come buy this. I wish <laughs> I wish I had the kind of money that I could just play it. Yeah. Just put it in a deck with no sleeves and just play it to watch people lose their minds. <laughs> What are you doing? Considering I even had that reaction when I was like, wait, you take your Transformers out of the boxes and then throw the box away? <laughs> what is wrong with that? That's what? Well, and you're like, well, yeah, I put them on display there. But I'm like, but if you wanted to sell those, now you don't have the box. And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> It's funny how the tables are turned in our relationship. Like, I'm the Gwen taking the figure out of the package, and you're the Miles going, eh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it stressed me out the first time I realized you were doing it, and then I went like, okay, well, it's his stuff, so it's on him. <laughs> so we were uh, we were hanging out with some friends at a, a birthday party over the weekend, and they were talking about this, and, and there are so, some people who are actively playing Magic, whereas I haven't played Magic in over a decade. And I was asking them, like, do you like that magic? Like now I feel this this kind of can open the door that magic can just do sets of whatever they can get the license to. They could have Magic the Gathering Star Wars. They could have Magic the Gathering Marvel, Disney, you know, like whatever they can get the license to. And already, like I said, they've done smaller sets where like because Hasbro owns Magic the Gathering where like they had six Transformers cards that you could you could play like Optimus Prime and Starscream. And, that yeah. kind of thing. and I was like, I ask them. Do you like that or do you dislike that? Because now it's kind of diluting the brand. They actually were all very positive about the idea of like, I already know the rules to magic. Bring it on. Yeah. Let me let me turn it into Fortnite. Let me put pit Mario against Captain America. Let's go. I can see that. Like it, it my gut reaction not having any stake in this, no skin in this game. Right. Is rules for card games at all. Um, I know it breaks my heart. I love it's card games. the worst. Like, you're just like I can't even play Munchkin. Your eyes cross when I pull out a card. Game. Oh, it's it's so bad. Drop Mix is probably like that and Uno are like the only games I yep. can play. <laughs> um, but to me, I feel like if it's magic, it should pertain to stuff like Willow, The Witcher, like right. medieval, Harry Potter. Stuff like that. Harry Potter is even too recent. I feel like, like yeah, it should be like medieval. Like sword and sorcery stuff. Yeah, like even like you had that Dungeons and Dragons movie that just came out. Oh, for sure. Oh, so, like that probably would never get licensed because they would want to do a dungeon. Hasbro yeah, yeah. Hasbro owns both. Oh, so then you could do a crossover event like that. Yeah, I, I feel like put, that makes sense. I think they have put D and D creatures in Magic in the last yeah. decade or so. Or you know you have you you could even get weird with it I guess and like you know have like a weird band like War or something. Guar magic cards? I don't know. Like, Not bad. You know, or that, Um, what is that? Is it Sleep Token, the one with the masks? Like, you have somebody, or, or no, there's like, Remember. 
There's one that starts with an H, too. I forget what the band name is, but they, like, wear, like, weird cloaked right. things to perform or whatever. And I feel like as long as it it skirts that medieval vein, yeah. you could do that. But, like, it seems weird to me to have, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, a Star Wars Blade Runner. thing or, like, Stranger Things. Stranger Things magic cards, right? It's, it That would be a little weird to me. But, like I said, I don't play the game, so. Yeah, we're not paying customers, so our opinions don't really matter. Exactly. <laughs> that, that's my thought process on it, because it feels like it's a medieval game. It should stay within medieval times, I guess. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense to me. It was funny because after talking to them, somebody had pulled out like their box of, of magic cards for like drafting or something like that. And they were like, hey, you want to get in on this? Like, no, no. no. <laughs> the minute I touch that, the, the drugs seep into your hands and like in, in your fingers and get in your blood. Next thing you know, you're buying cards. And not showering. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Terrible stereotype. <laughs> Awful stereotype. Well, <laughs> mention that it breaks my heart that you don't like card games because I do like card games. This is another thing that breaks my heart that I like that you don't like. And that's going to be our topic. It's not that I don't like the X-Men. <laughs> We're going to talk about X-Men. I'll explain what my feelings are. Sure. Next. <laughs> Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Pod, and we are going to talk to Chuck over here. Who? Me? You. Oh. We're going to talk to you about why X-Men movies are not in order or in canon. Because <laughs> I promised I would explain my gripe. I don't understand it, and there's so much source material, and I don't know what's right and what's been retconned. Right. But I, I do talk to Chuck about X-Men when I see specific panels. Yeah, when you're right on I'm in an X-Men group. Yeah, you're in an X-Men group to see the memes so yes. you can understand what the joke is and who the characters are. Exactly. And, is... and like how ridiculous Emma Frost can be and yes. how gay everyone is. <laughs> and I, I actually straight up ask you if you were queer because of the X-Men. <laughs> right. And I, I, yeah. I don't think so, but it definitely introduced me to some fetishes that I was not aware of. So I, I want to start with what was the quote from the guy that was talking about if they were all together or they don't have chemistry? Okay. So this was this was taken from the Cerebro podcast. And it's concerning the new era of X-Men, the Craig Cohen era, where they're all on this this island and, and feel a little bit like a cult. Um, and he was talking about one of the, uh, his, his name's Jonathan Hickman. He, he wrote uh, some, some of the books, the original books for the first uh, couple of years of the Craig Cohen stuff. Uh, and he was saying that one of the traps that a new writer will fall into is they'll see the fans complaining about, oh, I can't believe this character and this character aren't together or... You know, they, you know, there's lots of love triangles and X-Men or characters that have been together at different points that they're like, oh, those two deserve to be together. And people will cater to that um, to, you know, try and win over the fans. And he was like, OK, look, um, we're not doing this anymore. Like they're all on an island. Either we're going to make a hard list of everybody who's together. We're not going to have this Scott, Gene, Emma thing going on anymore or everybody is fucking everybody. <laughs> And uh, Marvel said, okay, the second one. <laughs> anybody anybody can drop in and out of any relationship at any time. And there's no, uh, there's, you know, don't, you don't, you don't have to worry about the fans really pushing for Rogue and Gambit to be together. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, yeah, that was the Cerebro podcast, one of the most recent ones they did about Apocalypse. And they talked to Jonathan Hickman about, which is 
funny how I get a lot of my X-Men content. Like I still read the books a lot, mm-hmm. but a lot of my X-Men love these days comes from listening to a handful of podcasts about X-Men. Right. No, I get that. Um, so we'll we'll backtrack now that we covered that because I really wanted you to get that part of the way. It's really or not. It was a really funny story. So what was the first X-Men book? Do you remember? Well, that's why I wanted to talk about this is because the very first X-Men t- uh, comic book was released 60 years ago this past weekend. Oh. And I thought this would be a timely, a good time right. to delve into why I love X-Men is like probably one of my five franchises. Gotcha. Well, I mean, like, what was the first one you had, though, is what I mean. So when we talked about Transformers in the first episode, I talked about how primarily my uh, love of Transformers came from the Marvel comics that were coming out. And at the time, I was collecting those and I was collecting the Archie version of Ninja Turtles comics. Um, And that was pretty much all comics were to me. Uh, I realized I knew Spider-Man and Batman existed. I'd seen Wolverine and stuff, but I didn't have any I didn't have any interest in that stuff. I liked what I liked. Um, and around 1991, uh, I'm, I think I'm in, I think I'm in starting high school and, uh, I, I, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm growing out of Ninja Turtles. Like the, the figures are kind of getting real silly. They're like fourth or fifth series in and they're getting real silly. And like the second movie is definitely more kid friendly than the first movie, the first live action movie. So I'm like, I think I'm growing out of Ninja Turtles. Which, pause, the first live action movie is back on streaming services. I saw that. So we'll have to watch that. Yeah. Um, and I had a friend, uh, his name was Mark that had moved to cold water and my parents would let him come and stay for a week and we would hang out and he'd sleep over for a week. And then his dad would come pick him up and I would go stay there for a week in cold water and he'd pick me up. And he was from the elementary school. He was buying X-Men comics and he was buying Spider-Man and he was super into superheroes. Well, that year Marvel came out with a set of trading cards called Marvel Universe Series 1. And he gave me a bunch of his doubles, which had a bunch of superheroes in it. And the idea that I had trading cards like baseball cards that had stats on them and told me about guys, it was such the perfect in for for superheroes. And I got really hard into that. And then during that summer, I went and hung out with him in cold water and he wanted to go to the comic store because it was, you know, you go every week when the comics come out. So his mom took us to the comic store uh, and I'm walking around and I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, OK, I want to get into that. Like, this all looks really cool. I like the the cards and stuff. I like these characters. Where do I start? And that was the summer that Infinity Gauntlet came out. So I got Infinity Gauntlet number one. Um, and he didn't get me into X-Men immediately because they were in the middle of a big story, but they were going to start a new title just called X-Men instead of Uncanny X-Men. And one of the best artists in the world, Jim Lee, was going to be drawing that book. Uh, And he's like, when that book comes out in September, buy that. That's your start for X-Men. And I was like, okay, cool. But I bought uh, X-Force number one, which was a Rob Liefeld book. Oh, no. <laughs> you got into the, the no feet drawing. I got into the no feet, yeah. But it's it's funny to think about that time and look at, like, Rob Liefeld has drawn X-Force uh, new, slash New Mutants. Um, Todd McFarlane has drawn Spider-Man. Eric Larson has drawn Amazing Spider-Man. Um, like, all these guys go on to foreign image comics and are some of the most influential artists of probably the last couple of decades. Um, you and, guys can't see this, but this is Jim Lee up here, right? Yes. That's from the X-Men number one. Oh. That was the fold out for the cover 
that because the X Men number one came with five covers, mm. and then on the they came out weekly, and then on the sixth week you got the big fold out that was all five covers together. Gotcha. They put, and they put that cool poster with all the characters on it on the back. We're gonna need to find another one of those. I feel like that one should be like pressed in a frame or something. Uh, yeah, it's just so ripped up now. Right. <laughs> but I've had it. I've had it hanging up this whole time in different points. Yep. In different places, whether it was in my room or the, the basement or now in, in our, our studio here. Yeah. So, yeah, that was how I dropped into X-Men. And fast forward a couple of years, I've been collecting X-Men comics. I, I've gotten into like X-Factor and X-Force and the whole line of comics. And um, uh, my buddy King Mob, who streams on here on Twitch, uh, I'll go over his house and we'll play Super Nintendo games and Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. Well, he's got a bunch of the stuff that came out before I started collecting. The, the stuff that Chris Claremont was had been writing for like 14 to 16 years before I'd started collecting. And I'm reading through that. I'm re- He doesn't have or- issues in order. It's just like issue 283, issue 241, issue 279. <laughs> so I'm just flipping through because I recognize there's Storm and Wolverine and that's Cyclops. But like, I don't know some of these characters and I don't know who Longshot is or Dazzler. And eventually it led to this thing where I would go to comic shows and go surfing through dollar bins. And come home with like $20 of uh, X-Men comics that were all out of order. Yeah. And eventually I built my collection over a couple of years picking up X-Men books out of dollar bins, which is really hard to do now. Yeah. The books that I picked out of dollar bins now, good luck finding a copy that's only a dollar. Right. Yeah. No, every time that we go to any con, any comic show, anything, we're always... Uh, I, w- I say we, but you are looking through the dollar bins and I'm awkwardly standing next to you like... I know, and I always feel so bad because I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, tell me when you want me to stop, and we can go. It's like me going to the bookstore, which is like I don't go to the bookstore often because that's what happens is that I will be there for hours. Yeah, so don't take me to a bookstore. <laughs> but um, when it comes down to it, it's like you know, if you could find like a good buy, like I get that. Like I've, I've gotten into this habit recently where we keep going over to uh, Disc Replay. Yeah. And like every week I'm like, you want to go to Disc Replay? I'm going to go get coffee. You want to go to Disc Replay? <laughs> yep. Because I'm just like stalking like things that they don't know they didn't price properly. Right. <laughs> and like going. You're waiting for it to hit a oh. specific price so you could be like, mine. Yep. Yep. That's worth grabbing. Okay. Got it. Yep. So I, I understand the premise of it with the comic side of it. So as far as that's concerned, we're gonna I'm going to jump forward a little bit. So then you have this boom of the movies comes out in the 2000s. Yep. And you have, you know, obviously Hugh Jackman is like the iconic Wolverine. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've ever, I don't think they've cast a single person as Wolverine since they cast him. They haven't even tried. Marsden was the perfect Cyclops. I, I have to agree. I feel like he's a great Cyclops. The kid they got for, for the first class series of movies, he's he's okay. He's all right, yeah. But James Marsden was Cyclops. Yeah. I personally that, that original cast is really solid. It's really solid. Yeah. And it's like that's the stuff that like I I randomly would see on TV, but like once again didn't know how it all worked and didn't ever see it in order. And yeah. when they dropped the first class stuff, I'm like, well now I'm just screwed. I don't understand anything. <laughs> Thinking, and, as the, thinking of it as the difference between the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans and the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. So then you have like these different things, but then there's like certain characters then 
jumped into that one later on and things like that. And yeah, the Days of Future Past movie was the one where you're like, I'm out. I have no idea what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I'm so confused. And that's a big part of it. Like, there's been multiple stories with time travel in it and characters meeting future and past versions of themselves and stuff. So yeah. It's definitely a love letter to that kind of... And it's not to say that, like, you know, Avengers and all of that isn't that. It's just I was there at the beginning. Yeah. I was there when it was brought about you know and so like for me i'm like okay i can follow all of this but then when i start like looking at the x-men stuff i'm like i really don't know what's going like i would have to be isolated for a week and watch <laughs> all of it and then try to understand what isn't canon anymore right because then there's things that have changed and so that's always my go-to gripe about it it's like i don't understand so like how do uh, out, out of all of that, how is navigating the canon, not canon situation for you? That's the thing that I've thought about the last couple of years, and that's why I'll go through dollar boxes now and I'll pull books that came out when I was actively collecting that I didn't get. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and like I'm trying to recapture that feeling I had when I was younger, where I could buy 20 X Men books from different eras and not have complete stories and just be able to go. Okay, I guess this happened because that's what they say happened last issue. Yeah. I guess, okay, here we go. Um, But as far as navigating the canon, it's it can be very difficult. Like I'm sure you've run into with Star Wars or, or even possibly with Harry Potter um, where when something gets retconned, you take it personally because you really liked that story or you really like that version of the story and you don't like the new version because you thought the other version was perfect. And that goes back to, what Jonathan Hickman was saying is about some people are like, well, Wolverine and Jean should be together. And other people are like Wolverine and Scott should be together. They've been the, the, the couple forever kind of thing. And how do you, how do you navigate that minefield of fandom kind of thing? And it is like, you know what, what if we put a door in Jean's room between her and Wolverine's room and her and Scott's room? What if we get rid of the whole love triangle, just make them a throuple? Yeah. No, that makes it makes sense. It's I, I'm not definitely not objecting to that. I. Right. It's more of like so like when you you said like you know Star Wars or Harry Potter. I've never seen anything get retconned on Harry Potter. Fair. Yeah. I don't think there's been a lot of. It's but, been more of just like stupid J.K. Rowling saying later, oh yeah, Dumbledore's gay, and I'm like, since when? Well, I didn't uh, see any of the what is it the Fantastic Secrets whatever the. Oh yeah, like I don't know any because I haven't dove into that i stopped like paying so i didn't know if they changed anything in those that i don't know but i what did ping into my brain was going from ryan johnson to jda abrams oh or or even looking at um like the the prequels yeah like stuff happening in the prequels that kind of contradicts what happened what you heard in the original three movies and being like yeah. oh I, okay i guess this is what we're doing and it's like i don't know as much about the prequels because i like violently protested them for so long for so long, I, long I don't really like i finally watched them again during the pandemic yeah um but i i do know that there's like something to do with like midichlorians being so important right and then it's like then you have the like, nobody ever talks about m counts again with the exception of dr pershing right as m counts he doesn't say midichlorians or anything. No, because that's a that's a trigger word for Star Wars fans. Yes. So he says M count when he's talking about Grogu. Um, but what really does throw me is like when you have a situation where like it has to be kind of parallel to comic book writers switching when sure. you have a director switching a movie. 
And you have Ryan Johnson to go to J.J. Abrams, and then he changes everything that Ryan Johnson did. Yeah. It has to happen within the X-Men comics. Oh, 100%. 100%. And it's uh, actually what I was thinking of is that when um, when Disney bought Lucasfilm and they started you know cranking out these Star Wars things, one of the things they said was that uh, the novels that had come out beforehand, like those don't necessarily count unless we decide they do kind of thing. And it makes me think back to when I was in high school, another thing that King Mob got me into, um, along with some other D&D friends, was uh, a series of books called Dragonlance that were very good. And uh, I remember reading those, and then there were three books, the original trilogy, and then there was another trilogy focusing on uh, a specific character that was really popular in the first trilogy. And then eventually the writers put out a fourth book, and between that time, a bunch of other writers had put out books for TSR, the people who owned Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. a bunch of novels that filled in holes in the stories and stuff like that. And when the original authors came back and put out the fourth book, they said, treat those books as if they were stories you heard in a tavern. They might have happened, but they more than likely didn't. Gotcha. And that was kind of like, that That was my first exposure to, what do you mean a thing I read didn't happen? <laughs> That's BS. Um, but as I've, you know, once you, once you've been through that once and taken that kind of offense to it, then it's easier when it happens in other mediums, when other writers come in and they be like, look, I don't like Rogue and Gamma together. I'm going to put Rogue with Deadpool. Uh, they're going to be romantic. And you go, what? Oh, okay. I, I guess this is what we're doing. She can't really kill him. That's true. <laughs> and that's, that's part of it. It's like, well, she can, you know, she can drain his life force, but he just keeps regenerating. So yeah. whatever. Um, and you just have to kind of be like, well, nobody writes the book at Chris Claremont ha- has the longest tenure on an X-Men book. And that was, I think, 16 years. Wow. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Nobody writes any comic book for longer than three to five years. I think the last person was Brian Michael Bendis wrote Ultimate Spider-Man for a little over 10 years. What's well, wild to me because it's like every time that you change an author, you're going to change the perception of how it works. Yeah. To a degree. And I mean, I guess when comics, that's where the editor comes in. Like everybody's got a Batman story they want to tell. It's up to the editor to be to figure out how to work it into what the company decides you can and cannot do with Batman, whether he can go down on Catwoman or not, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, That's like my headspace with it is like, it's weird because I feel like, you know, Batman does have like backstories. It's not that like Batman doesn't have all these other villains and all these other things. But, like, the most popular Batman stuff ends up being, like, Joker, Two-Face, everything else. So you can kind of plop yourself into a Batman story, and it just makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know? But, like, I don't know how much of that is, like, having the information in my brain. So when I think about just plopping into an X-Men story, that sounds so much more daunting for some reason. Maybe it's because it's a team book, which is kind of what I like about it. I'm getting a bunch of characters at once. Everybody, it's, it's, you know, it's a whole team of characters. So, like, I can have favorite characters and I can have characters I'm not real favorites of, but a certain writer can write them in a way that I'm like, oh, I like that guy now. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, and I, 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 I. I like I tend to gravitate towards team books instead of solo books. Like I've read Amazing Spider-Man, I've read Batman and like it's okay, but I like it when I have multiple characters to deal with. I like the soap opera-ness of it. Right. Of of the the interactions between all of them. Now, it's like some of the other comics that you really like that are not X-Men, like one of the ones is Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. Sure. That is a very like limited run in comparison to something like X-Men. Yep. Do you feel like 
you know, you like X-Men as well because the story never ends? There is a little bit of that. And it's also there's so much history that, like you said, it can be daunting, but it also can be extremely rewarding. Yeah. There can be things where um, there can be character interactions that they don't even have to actively tell you, oh, the last time I talked to you, we were going to kill each other kind of thing. Right. But just seeing the two characters interact, if you've been reading for as long as you have, you remember that like, oh, these guys were had knives out the last time they they met and now they're you know like you can see in the distance between them where they're drawn kind of thing yeah. without you know them actively trying to uh thing and it's also there's additive continuity and there's subtractive continuity and additive continuity is uh, a positive thing it's the thing that I, I learned when jonathan hickman took over the x-men books is that everything he was doing was additive everything was like yes this happened and now this is on top of it kind of thing instead of being like that didn't happen instead of retconning stuff away I feel like I would like additive better. Yeah. Like, because changing something, because I was, I was actually thinking about this yesterday because I had on Stranger Things, and I remember there being a discussion of, of with, were they going to retcon Will Byers' birthday? Mm-hmm. Because they messed up in season four, and on the tape that they have 11 at the skating rink, yes, it's Will's birthday. Yes. And no one mentions it's Will's birthday, and that would not be something Joyce Byers would ever do to her favorite son. So, like, they were like, well, maybe we'll go and retcon that and change the audio. It's not like we can re-change the acting, but we can change the They can at least change the audio, so it's not... Right, and I was watching that yesterday, and I was like, they didn't change that, right? And I'm like, okay, now I gotta get to season four again. (laughs) <laughs> but like she she said the 22nd this time and i like i feel like if you just make a mistake like that like just go oh shit i made a mistake and then like, find a way to you know move forward from it in the story versus it's and i go i get that like the retconning in x-men is not we made a mistake it's i don't like that story so i'm going to change it right i feel like when you do that that's when you create the it's it's like the um the time authority. It's like you're creating multiple realities and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> no. Yeah. And like part of that can be very fun too. I think it's fun, but it's also more work to do additive continuity yeah, you get than it is to wreck sure. on something. Well, that's that's the Marvel curse when it comes to the movies is that if it doesn't line up, everyone's going to point it out. Right. But then also, I mean, that's just that that's just good fiction, much less comic books is leaving dangling plot holes that you can pick up later. And Chris Claremont was fantastic about every issue had a couple of things that you'd be like well, what about that and then it wouldn't be addressed for years <laughs> and then he'd be like oh yeah that thing happened well now it matters that's when wrestling is good is when they remember. that's when it's at its best yeah when they remember that something has to link up to something else like right even just watching people lose their mind about the way roman was recently pinned yeah Going, well, that was the first time we saw him pinned in the shield was by one of the Usos. And so like when they can pull a storyline like that and then connect it from years later and it's like, that makes sense, then cool. But I don't like when there's so many like, well, I just don't like that I'm going to change a dangling plot line that just doesn't go anywhere. And you're like, but what about that? Well, and sometimes you get like somehow Emperor Palpatine returned, which is stupid. You, there's definitely been there's definitely been writers that have picked up dangling plot lines from years previous in the story and really worked out all that well. But I hate that story so much. <laughs> that might be my number one hated thing about Star Wars is that <laughs> somehow, somehow Palpatine, Palpatine returned. Return. <laughs> and it had to be 
Oscar Isaac delivering it. Yeah. I... <laughs> he didn't even look like he wanted to say it. No. It's... Funny part. He's just like, uh, somehow. <laughs> like, he's like, his head is down. He's like, this is the worst storyline ever. Sucks. So, with all of all of the things that you've ever collected, is X-Men your favorite? It's hard to say. Or is it it's definitely the most? it's definitely the thing I think I have the most of. Like at least it's the thing I have the most comic books. Yeah, for sure. And and I think I I definitely have more X-Men comic books than anything else. I mean, I've got some of the figures. That was the fun thing is the I started collecting X-Men and a year later the animated series hit. And it was oh, nice. based on the series I started. <laughs> so it was kind of like a big they they did a real good job at that point because that is when Chris Claremont left the books. Mm. Uh, and they did a really good job of making that era of the early nineties like a good jumping on point. That song was a banger. Yeah, that X Men. Oh my God, such a banger! Yeah, it's really like dope. like I visually remember seeing it. Yeah, so it's not like I didn't have any access to it. I sure. remember seeing it. I was just going, I don't like this animation style. No, the animation is definitely. <laughs> I even watching it, I was like, I'm happy that I have an X Men cartoon. I wish it looked better. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the same thing that happened when the movies came out. Is that like I had a friend that was like, Wolverine's supposed to be like. Four foot five. Yeah, he's Hugh Jackman is six five. This supposed is supposed to be a little guy. He's supposed to be a short. Supposed game. to have a Napoleon. Yeah, he's supposed to have a Napoleon complex. That's why he's like, you know, so angry all the time. And I was like, <laughs> dude, I have seen newsletters from the seventies when Chris Claremont had only been writing the books for two or three years of people saying, We're gonna get a Dark Phoenix movie. We're gonna get a Dark Phoenix movie. And there are people that did not live long enough to see X Men on a movie screen. Yep. How he was this it was the same guy who was was very the same way with Thor. It was like, all this stuff is different. I'm like, dude, you got to see a live action dude play Thor and it wasn't dog shit. Yeah. Like, this is great. I mean, honestly, I think one of the best ones in my brain of like, like, reimagined characters that are so much better than the original, fucking Aquaman. Yeah. Not even, Aquaman is not a great, a great top tier Superman. No, but Jason Momoa is Aquaman. Jason Momoa is amazing, not just because he's hot. Don't be like that. <laughs> he's funny. Don't be like that, podcasters. But he's funny. He's got a good charismatic behavior about him. He's a little bit more rugged. Yeah. The other one just looks silly. His orange is His green. green and <laughs> lameness. And they were like, when they cast Jason Momoa, I'm like, oh God. Yeah. Oh God. They're going to change his costume, right? Oh God. And then he showed up and all like, no, this is fine. This is totally fine. Right. But that's one of those things where like you can have those characters be reimagined. I feel like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is like the best we're ever going to get. Like I, I am hopeful for the future that there are some people that can live up to it. Yeah. I'm so interested to see when we don't have Hugh Jackman as Wolverine as long as I live long enough to see it. I'm really interested to see who else do you get? I feel like I have, like, castings in my brain that I would be okay with, even right. though, like, one of them I've never even seen this guy act in anything. So that's what's funny about it. The guy that was in Sons of Anarchy, the Charlie Hunter yeah. guy, I feel like he could play a comparable Wolverine that would be acceptable. I remember when they did the first class movies, there was talk of, like, if we're going to stick Wolverine in these movies, he's got to be, you know, a new actor. He's got to be younger. And somebody was like, well, who would you get? And... One of the rumors was the guy who played, uh, I think it was the guy who played Frodo. Yeah, what? Wolverines. I don't know. I mean, probably because he's small. 
I think, well, and I think he'd already put out that movie where he has the gun stapled to his hand. No, so that's the wrong actor. Oh, is it? Okay. My second pick was Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe, yeah. Because he is a short king. Right. And because of like things like Guns Akimbo, like he right. can handle it absolutely. He can do the stunts. He can do whatever. He can do the weird stuff. He can do the weird, weird stuff, you know. And he's got that that weirdo capability. I mean, when when Weird Al looks at you and goes, "He gets it. I want him." Right. That is that is you know any cosign that you'd ever need. But like those two are kind of in my brain. Also, that guy, that Andrew Taylor Johnson guy would have probably also been a good one had he not yeah. been doing the um whatever that thing is that's going to be worse than Morbius. Oh, Craven. Yeah. <laughs> um. But like those are kind of the ones in my brain. But like after seeing Logan, it's like I don't know how you top that. Logan is not. It feels like it's a superhero movie, but it's not a superhero movie. There's so much drama that goes with it. Sure. And, and there's so much artistic. Well, that's the thing is that you can't, uh, when you stick Wolverine in whatever the new X-Men movies are, or when you make a new Wolverine movie, you can't look at the ones that have come before and try and like top them. Like there's, because even yeah. like Wolverine has had so many comic books and there's like, there's Wolverine in a sci-fi setting. There's Wolverine in a, you know, in a time travel setting. There's Wolverine, in, like you have to pick a different, genre and and stick Wolverine in it and see how it works. Well, and I think that's like that's the back door that they're going to go with and it's it's weird because it's like I know that everything is about like alternate timelines and alternate realities right now, but I feel like it's going to get overboard at some point. Yeah. It already kind of has where it's just like, "Oh, well, if we're just going to recast the actor or something, we're just going to have an alternate timeline guy." And it's lazy story writing. Yeah, the, the alternate timeline thing is the new zombies. Yes, Everything. exactly. Everything is that. His alternate realities. But when I look at it from the like other sides of the coin, too, it's like, okay, so if you're not going to recast Wolverine and, and to your point of like, oh, yeah, there's all these other stories and stuff like that, there's going to be the same argument for an Iron Man eventually. Oh, 100%. Just go Riri Williams and run with that. Yeah, no, and I think that's why they created Riri Williams when they did, because they were new, like, well, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be Iron Man forever, and we're going to have to recast him someday, so we might as well get out in front of this with the comics and make whatever his, you know... His protege. His next protege is going to be. Right, exactly. And that's going to be the hard part as these movies go, because, like, we have Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner, passing torch to Haley Seinfeld. Right. So we have Kate now. We've got Black Widow passing torch to Yelena. Yelena. Right. So there are moves that are being made where they're making these connections to other things. And I'm I'm talking more, obviously, mostly movies here. But at the same time, it's like I look at something like Wolverine. And when you have something that's such a perfect casting. Right. It's really hard to recast that. And it's like when they recast, it's not necessarily a recast, but younger versus older of Magneto and Professor X. Sure. Those guys, Michael Fassbender and what is that other guy's name? I forget. Oh, I, um, I don't remember. James. James McAvoy. Yeah, James McAvoy. I'm like, I know it's a J. Yeah. Um, Both of those guys were phenomenal. Very good. As Though James McAvoy does not look good with a bald head. No, he does not. <laughs> when they when they decided to give him the bald head, it was like, ooh, all right. Young guys don't look good bald. They can. It have it takes. I mean, different... if you have like a buzz, right, and it's fine. But like sometimes, if you're like completely shellacked up here, right, it feels unreal, and that's what I'm I... gonna tell Greg. You said that. 
<laughs> Greg has been abused by me his entire life. He'll live. Um, <laughs> my friend Greg that I grew up with is completely bald right now. But like he he embraced it and I love him. So it's different. Right. But like when you look at somebody you, like James McAvoy who has like the best head of hair. Right. You put a bald cap on this yeah. guy and you're like. So so here's a concept that like I always would have liked them to employ in a in an X-Men book, but they never have or in any superhero book because you see it in different superhero genres. Like you're talking about how we've now got a new Hawkeye. Yep. And like there's been multiple Black Widows. There's been multiple Captain America's kind of thing. I like the idea <laughs> thinking of a superhero. Um, I, I was thinking of a superhero persona as like a job title. Yeah. Instead of as like. You know, James Howlett is Wolverine because like now we have a we for for a couple of years there, uh, Wolverine was off off the table and they brought in the X-23 character, the young yeah. girl. Yeah. And she took up the name of Wolverine. And I like that. And then, you know, he came back and he's just like, no, you're Wolverine. We're both Wolverine. Everyone can be Wolverine. Fuck it. Well, and I think that's it's the same thing with Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say with Hawkeye. And if if. Um, what's his face ever came back? I'm sure Sam would just be like, "Take this shield, I don't want it." Right, take it back. But I think going <laughs> forward, especially when it comes to the movies and the recasting and stuff, I think as fans, we're going to have to look at it more like a, being Captain America is a job title. It's mm-hmm. not Steve Rogers is always Captain America because eventually you're going to get like your third, fourth, fifth recasting of these guys. Being yeah. Spider Man is not always Peter Parker. Sometimes it's Miles Morales. Sometimes yeah. it's Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm kind of thing and i like you've built that out properly yeah like there are are build outs for that already and like if they went with the side of it where they said like okay x23 is now i'm totally acceptable of that yeah but like trying to recast wolverine and telling me that's the same telling me that's yeah that i have with it so it's a little bit disconnected for me especially since they didn't do it in first class or any of that yeah, they just got him. They just got. They're just like you. Come back. We yeah. want you again. We just oh, you're doing Deadpool three. Hugh, come back. We want you again. We just need you for five minutes so you could tell Charles and Magneto to fuck off. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's where I say like, and, it, and sometimes it works. Like I feel like both versions of Beast are great. Yeah, I, I love both versions of those guys. I think Kelsey Grammer was dreamcasting for Beast, but also I understand that like he's gonna have to have a stunt guy. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to be hanging upside down or anything like that. You're not going to do that to Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. But then the guy they got for, for Young Beast is freaking amazing. Isn't that the guy that played Renfield? Yes. Yes, I thought so. I yes. Don't I don't remember the actor's name, unfortunately. But Like both of those. And it, I, I kind of got a little carried away with talking about the movie side of it. But it's like for... For entry points that are easier, it makes sense to me to start with movies and then go to comics. But I feel like almost with the X-Men, you should do the opposite. Do you agree? I think it means more to you if you do it in the opposite way. Okay. Uh, I think it's possible to do the movies into comics, but you have to, like I was saying about turning the superhero persona into a job title, you have to change your mentality. Like, there's no way... You love the Spider-Man movies. There's no... There's no way you're going to start with Spider-Man number one from the 60s right. and, and and like feel that satisfaction. Right. You know, like, yeah, there are 60, 70 years of Spider-Man to read. And that's why every as much as we we hate it as comic book readers, that's why every couple of years they reboot the series with a new number one. Yep. And a new creative team. And like they don't start at Peter just got bit by the spider and now he's Spider-Man like it keeps in continuity, but it gives people who just watched a movie and want a starting point much like I did 
with X-Men, it gives you a, here's a number one. So this is the start of a new story. Yes, things have happened beforehand. And unless you want to go back and read all that, you're just going to have to take it at face value when Mysterio shows up and we say, man, last time I fought Mysterio, he had tigers. And you're like, if you say so. <laughs> and you're just accept. It was, think of, think about this. Infinity Gauntlet number one was one of my first comics. And like, the one of my first exposures to comic books is Thanos wiping out half the universe. Right. Is looking at a screen of superheroes and not even knowing half of them and being like, yeah, they're dead now. Mm-hmm. Be like, I mean, this seems like a big deal, but okay, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, retroactively being like, oh, no, that shit doesn't just happen every every day. Now it happens every year. Yeah, yeah. Now they do a crossover every year and shit like that happens. But, like, that's wild. Yeah, that's wild. So uh, I'm going to bring us back to center here to, to tidy up at the end. Out of all of the X-Men comics that you've, like, read all of the different runs, all of the different series on writers, what are your top three like runs um chris claremont is number one like i said it's six, it's a 16 year run it is more re- it's it's more rewarding every time you read it you see something new yep. um uh which is absolutely fantastic and and the the podcast that i listen to cerebro and jane miles explain the x-men uh i don't think they would exist if that wasn't true if it wasn't a matter of like everyone can read that and pick something out and discuss it and be like oh I didn't get that out of that, but that makes total sense. Right. And that's uh, a lot of fun. Um, I think Jonathan Hickman's most current run uh, with the, it started with House of X and Powers of Ten is great because not only does it take, you know, 50, 60 years of X-Men continuity and turn it all on its ear, it also adds to it. And it takes things that have been uh, tropes that we've just accepted, like the fact that everybody dies and then they come right back because it's comic books kind of thing and like turns it into a plot point. Yeah. Turns it into, well, yeah, there's a reason X-Men don't die forever now because they have this mutant circuit. They can just resurrect people. Yep. Kind of thing. And that's fun. As far as the third one, that's tough. I know Brian Michael Bendis did a run in X-Men and, and I liked it, but it definitely wasn't one of the high points of X-Men. Did you ever read any of the Old Man Logan stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Old Man Logan, the original Old, Old Man Logan series is written by Mark Millar, who did Wanted and Kick-Ass and all that Ooh, stuff. Yes. Um, it is a phenomenal uh, year of of storytelling. And then they brought him back about 10 years ago uh, when Wolverine was off the table. It was like, well, we can't have regular Wolverine. What if we take Old Man Logan and pluck him out of his universe and stick him in the main Marvel universe for a while? <laughs> um Ben Logan was really good. Would you say that's like maybe three? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Because I know it's it's been listed on a multiple lists as the best superhero movie of all. That's the that's the wild thing. That's why the Chris Claremont run is number one because it encompasses the Phoenix and Dark's Phoenix saga. It's uh the first couple of crossovers, major crossovers in Marvel uh units like Fall of the Mutants, Inferno, Extinction Agenda. Like they became when the those those established, hey, every summer we're going to do giant crossovers where half the line is going to have to deal with something that's going on, like Civil War yeah, kind of thing. Um, and that was, you know, there's so many firsts that come from the 80s Chris Claremont run of X-Men. And a big part of that is because he had the book on top and the editors in chief was like, I don't understand what he's doing, but we're making tons of banks. So just 
keep do what he's doing. Keep him on the tracks. <laughs> just tell tell his editor, uh, keep him on the tracks. Just make sure he doesn't do anything too crazy. Yep. Kind of thing. Um, I dig that. Is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up and head to our serotonin boost? Yes. So uh, we usually do a little segment called What Have We Learned? Yeah. I was going to do that after this. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I got a game for you. Yeah. For What Have We Learned? Okay. Uh, we'll do that next. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Pod. Why are you laughing? You were pausing and I was like, it is, I guess it's my show, I'm driving. It, yeah, it's like you keep reaching over and grabbing the wheels. Yeah, like, yeah. Right. I, you, you just paused, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm driving again. Here we go. <laughs> so welcome back to the Really Big Fan Pod. Right. We're going to play a game. We are. Uh, unfortunately, I lost my uh, I lost my page here. Give me a second. Did you already write it out? I, oh, mm. it, so no, I had a page up so for my for reference that uh Oh, you're gonna have to give me a minute here. Damn it. So you had tweeted, or at least I had sent you the tweet from a company that makes little plushies. Yes, that was or, what was posted to our socials today. Yes, that are that are X Men. Um and I was gonna go on their site and I was going to say what they call the character and see if you could tell me what character that's supposed to be. Oh, but I looked at them this morning. Right. Well, some of them you're no, some of them you will know, obviously. <laughs> but some of them because they don't just do X Men, they do a lot of stuff. Oh goodness. We'll start with the X Men. Okay. 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 I, th- I, th- I think you're going to do really well on this. Obviously. All right. So their X Men are known as prejudicedly judged heroes. Four guys. Right. So this one, this one's a softball. I'll lobby this one, Mister Angry Forkans. Oh yeah, that's Wolverine. That's absolutely Wolverine. Uh, how about Cajun Card Fighter? Uh, that is Gambit. Yep, nicely done. Yep. Excellent. Miss Runs Through Walls. Uh, that is Kitty Pride. It is Kitty Pride. Well, see, all right, so you, you, next. I'm, I'm absorbing what you say all the time. It's right. just, I don't read or listen. How about the protectors of the known universe? Let's see if you know some of these guys without me saying what their, uh, what their actual title is. Okay. Uh, Dancing Space Vigilante. Star-Lord. Yes, very well done. Uh, this one's also a softball now that you know what realm we're in. Your real daddy. Oh, Yondu. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. He's your father boy, but he ain't your daddy. <laughs> Let me switch over to the Reclaimers of Justice. Um, perfect shot, Birdman. That's not Sam Wilson, right? It is not. Okay. You want to take another shot? You said Birdman, and my brain just went to Rick and Morty. I, I like my brain is not. It. That's, that's, oh yeah, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Perfect shot, Birdman. I'm like, I'm just like seeing Birdman, right. Rick and Morty, in my brain, going, "That's not it. That's not it. Get out." <laughs> uh, how about Pretty Fly for a Bird Guy? Uh, that one would have to be Sam. That was yeah. Sam Wilson. There you go. Uh, Admiral Awesome. Like Captain America? Nope. Admiral Olsen. No. Captain Marvel. Oh, gotcha. That's all right. <laughs> uh, Perception Robot? That has to be uh, Vision, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, Daddy's First Corrupted Hard Drive? Ultron? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is a great name for Ultron. Is it not? Yes. Yeah, no, they got some great names for these. If you that guys... might be the next name of my next hard drive. <laughs> if you guys want to check this out, you definitely want to check out um, nightowlworks.com. Yep, I put a it bunch on of, our socials, so you should be able to find it. Yes, a bunch of really cute, cute plushies. They didn't have to pay us for that ad. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. They were just, they, they paid us with humor. Yes. And we got to laugh at them because I think my favorite out of all of those was social distance. Social distancing heroine. <laughs> it's like so all good. poor rogue. So good. <laughs> all right, so it's serotonin boost time. Yes. What do you got? You didn't want to go first, did you? <laughs> I totally forgot what mine was. Oh, no! I had it. I had it. I had it. What was it? I know I tweeted about it. Yeah. Because I said it was going to be my serotonin boost if I didn't come up with something else. So you go while I find this. Well, I didn't have mine either. <laughs> we are so prepared. It goes back to our prep work conversation. Uh, we are so prepared. <laughs> I love it. You know, I'm going to say my serotonin boost this week is Super Metroid. Um, so I stream Super Metroid on our uh, on our channel, the Really Big Fan Pod. Uh, my first time playing through the whole game and beating it, and it took uh, four and a half hours. And um, one of the things about the Metroid games is that the quicker you beat them, the better the ending is. Yeah, the better the ending becomes. So uh, if you can beat it in under three hours, you can uh, get the best ending. And it made me, after I beat it in four and a half hours, I started doing some reading and looking at stuff. And I'm like, I think I can hit that three hour mark. So I've done a little bit of it on stream, but I've done most of it off stream. So you guys don't have to watch me rewind a segment, you know, 50 times just to get the perfect jump. Um, but I'm, I'm on a good track for it. I think I'm about an hour and 10 minutes in and I'm already done basically half the game. I think I'm going to think I'm going to hit that three hours. I'll definitely, when I get near the end of the game, I'll definitely stream it. So we can, you know, enjoy together whether or not I hit my three hour uh, mark. But uh, the first time through Super Metroid, I was like, there are parts of this game I do not enjoy. Yeah. But it it burst an entire genre of games known as the Metroidvania because the Castlevania Symphony of the Night on the PlayStation 1 was essentially a Metroid game. And that is why they're called Metroidvanias because those are the two high points of that genre of game. Yeah. And I can see why. I can like the music is solid. The animation is good. It was definitely... If you had a Super Nintendo and you didn't have Super Metroid, you definitely were missing something out of your library. So, yeah, Super Metroid's pretty great. I gotcha, I gotcha. So, I kind of have a tie. Okay. So, there's going to be two quick ones. All right. First one was Juvenile did his Tiny Desk concert, and I was in here stoned dancing. Aw. I was listening to him do slow motion, and it made me so happy. That's cute. He like it, he did slow motion, and he did back that ass up, like and, and other songs, of course. Because but they're doing it on like little t- little kid instruments. No, it's not the kid instrument thing. So what they do is it's like almost like if you had an acoustic set. Okay. In the NPR office. Yeah. So they're at a cubicle. So they're like. There's Fun. strings people, there's horn people. And they just have to cram. They have to cram everybody into this like, cubicle area. But like the people from NPR came up to watch like the staff. Yeah. And so at one point during Back That Ass Up, Manny Fresh gets in the crowd with people when he's supposed to do his verse. Because he's usually just the producer. Yeah. Because he's just sitting there with like that little beat table that you have. Like he's got one of those in front of him. Yeah. He's hitting different beats throughout the performance because he's Juvenile's producer for the most part. Um, But... He hops in the crowd when he's got to do his part and he turns the microphone around 
and then runs into the crowd and the cameraman's like trying to get in on it. Right. So he's just in the crowd with a bunch of people from NPR going, I know you can't stand it. Dig bandit. Stand it. <laughs> and he's doing it. And like everybody's doing it with him. And it's so cute because he just looks like at the age that Manny Fresh is now, it's probably very heartwarming to him that anybody remembers him or remembers his verses or anything. Even though Big Timers was pretty big, like Birdman was the breakout of the two of those guys because he ended up being the head of Cash Money. So, and that's like the people that put out Lil Wayne. Okay. And didn't let Lil Wayne release his album for five years. Oh, wow. Stuff like that. So that was number one because I was just like, I love 2000s hip hop no matter what. The other one that's very, very quick is we watched The Predator finally. We did. Some things that are going on within my life and found out that I'd never watched The Predator. Carl Weathers without his shirt on. Ooh. I don't know if that's even considered a serotonin boost or if I'm just like bonk, go to horny jail. Yeah. But like women must have been throwing themselves at Carl Weathers in like the 80s and 90s. Like I didn't even know what Action Jan- Jackson was until I w- was going through trying to find another picture because I tweeted about Carl Weathers being shirtless and going, holy hell. And then Erica texts me and she goes, and you didn't post a photo? <laughs> and I'm like, fine, fine, I'll find a picture. And I'm I can't find the picture where he's fully shirtless. Yeah, where they're pulling that. Where they're pulling out. the rope. Can't find it. But I can find the one where he's got the vest open. Yes. And you just see his abs. And I'm just like Grief Karga. Grief Karga. Do we need Do we need to watch the first Rocky now? Apparently, because I've never seen the original Apollo Creed. Yeah, that's what Erica said too, and I didn't have the heart to tell her I've never seen Rocky. Right. But like any of the Rockies, I've never seen, so I was like, "Oh, cool. Okay, so there's now I just need to have a Carl Weathers-a-thon. I guess we do. Yeah, yeah. We just need it because like he's so like not only is he still charming. Yes, absolutely. 80s, but now he's young and chiseled. Yeah. You know. But he's just a charming person, and then the fact that he can direct Star Wars episodes on top of being charming, right. and then being, like, Grogu's grandpa. Do you remember that photo of uh, <laughs> uh, J.K. Simmons in the gym, and he was, like, chiseled? Yes. Old man chiseled? Yes. Do you think underneath those robes, that's what Carl Weathers looks like now? He's just old man chiseled? They would have to put a fat belly on him if they did, because I was like, he doesn't look like that now. Not to say that Carl Weathers is fat, but he's definitely got, like, like yeah. it's like old man belly. Yeah, for sure. So like he would have to be wearing like a prosthetic stomach in <laughs> order for that to be a thing. So I don't think it's a thing. No. Uh considering like his facial structure is now a little bit rounder and stuff, he's not very No, you're probably right. He probably has a, he probably stopped working out when he didn't have to anymore. Yeah. Grief cargo is still pretty to me though. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he's got that silver fox beard going on. He so does. <laughs> I'm but glad yeah. you I'm glad you enjoy that because boy do I have that. All that gray. I got my I got my silver fox at home. You do. <laughs> oh wait a minute! I'm the silver fox at home. No, no, not like that. I mean, <laughs> um, can we get Carl Weathers? We have silver fox at home. Timothy Oliphant is silver fox in the silver screen, <laughs> or Chris Pine because I don't understand how he still looks that good. He does. But, yeah. Really? Yeah, those are all fantastic. Have your hair. Yes. Uh, uh, was his name? Um, the guy that was in uh Mandalorian. Yeah, I don't remember his that uh, name either. No, it was Tilifi, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. I forget what his character, it wasn't Cad Bane, it's... No, Cad Bane is the, the evil one, the other guy. But there's, yeah, any, yeah what, you guys know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you're nerds. So thank you for listening to my brain vomit today. Um, I highly appreciate you, and if you want to support this brain vomit, go to our Patreon page. Because we would very much like to keep doing this, and now we have ads, so if you want an ad-free experience, 
please go subscribe to our Patreon and you will get the episode as soon as Chuck is done with it, which I promise will be done quicker. Last week was completely on me. Last, yeah, last week was last week was a little... We were getting ready for, you know, the holidays and stuff. Yeah. Shit show. That, that definitely wasn't the reason. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> folders. So I will be more on top of things and try to manage my ADHD. And I hope that Cobb Vance... There we go. There you go. Thanks, Hall Gaming. Come there. <laughs> so thank you very much to everybody that has listened and watched today. And thanks so much to everybody that is listening on wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you again next week. Check us out on Thursdays on YouTube. On Fridays is a podcast. You can check us out on Wednesdays. Recording the podcast around 1130 at twitch.tv backslash really big fan pod. That's all you can, where you can watch us stream games like Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time and yes. Super Metroid like I talked about earlier and all the when I'm playing Fortnite sometimes you can see me do really well on the Switch and really bad everywhere else and if you want to see anything stupid on social media feel free to go to Really Big Fan Pod on any of those yep and uh, that's it we'll see you next week bye bye <laughs>